Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. A quick recap for anyone who missed our earlier strange news segment. Uh, We covered a recent court case here in the U.S. regarding essentially homemade firearms. And we received a lot of helpful feedback on this, uh, including clarifications regarding the laws as they currently stand, the ongoing debate in D.C., and uh, the various Uh, you could call them stakeholders on all sides of the issue. And I don't know about you guys, but the more I looked into it, the more I realized this is yet again, at heart, a case of technology outpacing legislation. Uh, Legislation just takes forever to catch up to things. Sometimes uh, legislation can be very reactive or ideologically driven. But our question today is, are there conspiracies afoot? What do what does this um, emergent era of homemade firearms mean for the future? To answer this question, we have to first understand the incredibly unique position firearms hold in the U.S. We were talking off air, uh, Doc and Matt and Nola and myself, uh, about uh, just our own personal experiences growing up around firearms did you guys have guns in your house when you were growing up i was never a gun family we were like a violin family we, we didn't have weapons we, we had one bb gun that i was allowed to shoot sometimes uh, and that was it that was it we had baseball once. bats as our home defense seriously like a special cabinet like these are the baseball bats for playing baseball these are the ones for thwacking villains well you know they're really it's not a one use tool you know um, baseball bat's a really versatile thing. Uh, it's still what I have now. I've got one right by my feet, actually, just in case. You got a metal one or a wood one? Oh, it's metal. Yeah. Okay. You know what's up. So, <laughs> so, uh, baseball bats, maybe a, a story for a different day, but 
here are the facts. Gun ownership may be a controversial issue when you get to the specifics here in the U.S. Who should be able to own which types of guns and so on. But on a very basic level, firearm ownership is enshrined in American law. It's under the Second Amendment. Uh, that means that firearms have a, a cultural significance that doesn't really exist in a lot of other countries. And if you're familiar with the way, um, <laughs> I'm trying not to be too snarky about this, but with the way Congress works in this country, it can be very difficult to, um, to change laws that require a majority. So there's a spectrum here. And whether you are on one extreme side or another, whether you think there should be absolutely no gun ownership whatsoever by civilians, or whether you think uh, not only should I be able to own whatever kind of firearm I want, but it's also nobody's business, including the government's, what I do with it and uh, where I keep them, et cetera. No matter how, where you fall, in that, in that ideological space, uh, the truth is that the Second Amendment is, is not going to go away. It's, there's no, there's no um, practical way for that law to change uh, or for that amendment to be revoked. But there are many laws that um, argue nuances of this, right, and say that like a handgun, you can have a handgun, but you can't have, you know, um, well, a tank is a terrible example, but, you know, there's there's certain guns that legislators will say you shouldn't have unless you are in the military. But yet people can still get fully automatic weapons at like gun shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is something where the the system can become so Byzantine because it goes state by state. Um, there are a lot of things that um, proponents of gun control see as purposeful loopholes. And there are a lot of things that proponents of gun, guns' rights see as government overreach. But regardless of these controversies, regardless of these concerns, we know this is an issue that is um, incredibly important to a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists listening today. Regardless how you feel about it, the simple fact is that in the U.S., a lot of people own guns. Yeah, it's true. Um, the U.S. has just 4% of the entire world's population, but 40% of civilian gun ownership of the entire world. Yeah, that's right. And, and as of last year, I think it was 42% of U.S. households had at least one gun or, you know, at least report to have one gun. And a lot of these gun owners, probably the majority of them, cite, you know, personal defense protection uh, and in their Second Amendment rights as like, they, this is why I have a gun. Yeah. And there, and what I think is important to note there about that statistic uh, that you just mentioned, Matt, is this, this is kind of, we'll see it's kind of a skewed distribution, right? Like a, a lot of people who are that uh, in that 42% just have one firearm. It's at their house. It's probably under lock and key somewhere. Um, it's it's there's this stereotype about this country uh, <laughs> that a lot of my friends from abroad fully believe, and they're intelligent people, I should say. They they just fully believe that um, everybody in the U.S. is walking around in an action movie, and we're all strapped up. You know what I mean? Whether we're going to the library or to the local uh, wing spot. It, it's also kind of, it can be kind of difficult to break that stereotype for people who aren't from here because it's tricky to estimate gun ownership. Like when we say 42%, that is very, that's a very large ballpark. Yep. Well, it's, it's the same way that, you know, uh, certain ill-informed Americans might think that all French people wear berets and have curly mustaches and wear like striped shirts and just walk around drinking espresso all day and chain smoking cigarettes. You know, some of them sure do, I guess, but you know, definitely not all of them. And some Americans tote their guns to target. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's a yeah. reason the stereotype exists. You not know? all pe French people even speak French. It's, it's, it, it has been known to happen from time to time. It, yeah. It's a, um, it's a strange thing. Like, all, just personally, I currently do not own any firearms. 
but in a different in a different life in a you know another multiverse if my situation wasn't as it was with a wife and children i would certainly own multiple guns uh like i would right now i'm telling you but i don't because it it frightens me the thought of having a firearm no matter how locked down it is in my house so uh you know but there are a lot of family members out there, fathers, mothers, heads of households that feel very comfortable having guns. And it's just a regular thing. Not only comfortable, strongly about protecting mm-hmm. their homestead and their family, you know, mm-hmm. against invaders or whomever that imagined or real, uh, you know, individual might be. Um, I have a quick question for, for you guys before we move move on. I've been thinking a lot about the Volstead Act lately because I've been rewatching um, Boardwalk Empire, and it was an amendment to the Constitution that that made alcohol illegal. And obviously, it was very controversial. It caused a lot of corruption, a lot of problems. But Ben, you mentioned at the top of the show how there's really no functional way, or it'd be really functionally difficult to amend or change the um, the constitutional right to bear arms. Do you think that is because it is a something in the constitution that provides a right as opposed to removes a right? Like the way the Volstead Act was ultimately walked back because it was a terrible, terrible idea. Be- because of all the things I mentioned, but yet we have so many reasons that gun control maybe should be enacted, but yet it seems very, very difficult from an ideological standpoint to do anything about it. Sure, there's an ideological standpoint. Um, there's also... Uh, it's all, it also directly touches an enormous industry. The U.S., uh, by several measures, is one of the largest weapons manufacturers in the world. I know that can sound a little misleading because weapons is a big word that encompasses uh, many things. Uh, it goes down to, yeah, ideology, money, political capital. Um, and, and, you know, the thing, like we talked about this before, Everybody agrees that there are any number of problems, right? Uh, The part where the conversation breaks down is the idea of uh, what would be the way forward? What are the best next steps? What are the solutions to things that everybody admits need to be fixed? Um, And this, you know, I'm I'm endeavoring um, to be pretty objective here, just personally and not not put my um, any of my own personal biases. In this, um, when we talk, you know, Matt, you said personally in a yeah, universe. Yeah, sorry about that. I in just, a uh, universe. Well, no, no. <laughs> you're like, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I think it's important because you said, I loved it. You were basically like, you know, in a universe perpendicular to ours or to the left of ours, if these variables were different, I would absolutely own a gun. And the thing about it uh, here is that you also would not have to tell anyone, right? There's not. Absolutely. The way it works is there's not a, um, like, you, you might be surprised, fellow conspiracy realists, how many of your friends and relatives do own firearms and just haven't told you about it. And they don't have, they don't have to. Uh, that's Part of this comes from the fact that there is no federal registration requirement or similar regulation that would enable or like require you to report this stuff or enable an official better than ballpark estimate. In fact, the opposite is the case. There is a federal level law about this, but it, it is a law that is built to prohibit a central registry of firearms owned by private citizens. And of course, so these statistics we're pulling are, um, we need to understand these are ballpark. There is a, a pretty fascinating report from 2018 out of Switzerland by a group called the Small Arms Survey and they show that Americans own a disproportionate share of the world's firearms overall. As you mentioned, Noel, 4% of the world's population, 40% of civilian-owned guns globally. And, and again, a lot, of, a lot of those numbers sound weird, but not everybody's strapped. A lot of people have like one firearm at their house. And then, you know, out of those nine people, there's a, there's a tenth person who's very Jeffrey Allen lash about it. And he's got, he, he's apparently got a one-man army, more guns than he could ever fire, more ammo than he could ever use. Yeah, maybe not quite Jeffrey Allen Lash level, hopefully. I know, it's just I'm showing the, <laughs> the extremities of the spectrum here. Didn't so, he have like million rounds of ammo or something insane like that? It was some absurd number. 
Yeah, ammo buying is interesting because you'll you'll hear reports of ammo shortages, and it often coincides with political cycles. And people say, hey, you need to make sure you have ammo. There will be a shortage, or there may be a law uh, banning all firearms, or there may be a law that um, pre- somehow prevents you from buying ammunition for firearms. Kind of like in Atlanta, there may be a gas shortage. So, so make sure you hoard all of the gas. Don't say you that. Are. People will do it. Don't say that. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think we mentioned that, right? Previously, gas goes bad. Yeah, yeah. we did. Okay. We did. Okay, good. Just to make that clear. How, how long does it take again? It takes months, though, right? Or just- uh, about your look, it could go bad in as early as three months. So you would look at three to six months unless you put in a stabilizer. In all fairness, diesel will last about a year on the shelf. But they're living chemicals, you know, so they're going to degrade. Anyway, the, the small arms survey and all these questions in the air, they estimate that American civilians altogether own 393 million guns, making the country number one in terms of firearms per capita. Uh, But again, that's not an equal distribution. If you come to the U.S., uh, you might be surprised at how weird gun purchasing laws are. Or if you've never bought a gun and you were thinking about it and you, you started looking into it, you'll quickly find that the laws vary state by state in almost like in so many ways. So instead of walking through all 50 states and their various requirements, maybe it's most helpful to give just an example of uh, from Georgia. So the process is pretty straightforward here. You don't need a ton of stuff and you don't need firearm training either. You just need to be over 21 um, or I think 18 if you have an honorable military discharge. And you can't be a convicted felon that is restricted from owning a gun. You just need a valid state-issued ID, driver's license, state ID, blockbuster card. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew that would come in handy. <laughs> yes. Kudos to everyone who kept one. Uh, and then, you know, you'll get a background check if you're buying from a licensed dealer. Uh there's something that happens in other states that's similar to Georgia. If you already have a Georgia weapons license, you, that counts as your background check because you passed it already to get that license. And also, if we're hanging out and, you know, um, we're off air and uh, Matt decides to uh, privately, like, sell a gun to uh, codename Doc Holiday or uh, Doc decides to just give a gun, like literally give it as a gift, maybe then there's no background check involved. You also don't need any license to keep it at your house. You only need uh, a permit or paperwork. If you plan to carry it in public, then you would need something like a carry permit or concealed carry that costs about 70 bucks, 75 bucks at the local probate court. So Georgia also is one of the easier States. Um, They have reciprocity with about 32 other States, meaning if you have firearm, if you have, if you're good in Georgia, you're good in those states. Exactly. It's an interesting thing. I just happened to have recently sold a car and it's a oh, weird thing where, where, where you've got, well, it was for as anyway, it was for almost no money to a family in my neighborhood that needed a car and I didn't want it anyway. But uh, circumstances aside, in order to do that in the U.S., especially here in Georgia, you have a title for that vehicle. It's a piece of paper that you that you physically have to sign and give to the new owner. And that way they can use that piece of paper that shows ownership when registering that vehicle, right? And it's it's odd to me that there's no system like that with a weapon where you'd have a piece of paper that says, I, this weapon was registered to me. I am now going to sell it to this other person. And now they have that piece of paper uh, with that weapon. It seems like that would be a thing. Overall, the point is this. There is a series of systems in place. Supporters of the current system believe it's better than nothing and warn that too much oversight, too many regulations or outright banning can create a kind of slippery slope with the fear being that the the bottom of this slope is eventually a situation where all firearms are illegal or 
even more extreme, the Second Amendment itself is repealed, uh, which again, and I think in our collective opinion, will probably never happen. Opponents of gun ownership in the current system argue that it has been purposely broken by any number of bad actors, corrupt politicians, lobbying groups like the most infamously the NRA. Um, they point to the valid and disturbing data surrounding mass shootings in the United States, which we can't not mention, right? Um, there's The statistics are there. They are inarguable. Uh, these systems are going to remain controversial. There's going to be criticism from nearly every stakeholder you can imagine about one thing or another. But now there is a new trend in the field, and it's one that may fundamentally change the state of firearms in the U.S. and in the world. Gentlemen, we are looking at the rise of the ghost gun, or we will be looking at it after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Here's where it gets crazy. Wait, so what is it? We talked about this on Strange News. Is it a gun that shoots ghosts? Is it a gun? <laughs> like, no, no, not shoots them as in like, shoots at them like instead of bullets does a fire ghost because i'm kind of into it uh yeah i would be into that let's let's do that if we can find a way to get ghosts into ammo we're definitely going to do that technology as you said always outpaces uh 
physical laws. I don't know. I don't know. How I, it works. I assumed it was a gun that's designed <laughs> to kill ghosts that would be used by a ghost buster of some sort. Yeah, it could be. But no, in this case, a ghost gun is simply referring to essentially a homemade firearm. Really, that's what it is. A firearm that is not going to be as easily traced as a firearm that you would purchase from a large gun manufacturer. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and that's the thing. This this term, it really is an umbrella term because it encompasses a lot of different kind of flavors of these things, right? So you can have totally improvised. Like I mentioned, I think on the air on a previous episode, how these ghost guns reminds me of the thing that John Malkovich made out of like a composite plastic and in the line of fire that he could sneak through security. Uh, this isn't that, but it definitely could be a MacGyver esque type mishmash, you know, assembly of different parts that could, you know, <laughs> equal a gun. Um, or it could be like a kit kind of thing. Like you would buy for like electronics, for example, where you can make your own gun at home. Cause that sounds like fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, they all have two things in common. They are a gun, um, that can shoot bullets and they don't have a serial number. And I'm sorry. There's a third thing they don't have, they have in common as well. They don't require a background check. Yeah. And it's entirely legal in the U S to assemble a firearm on your own. Uh, there's this really interesting interview with a former ATF operative named David Chipman, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau thereof. Let's make that less complicated. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, we just called ATF. And Chipman says, building a gun in your home has always been lawful, but it wasn't a big issue because being a gunsmith requires some serious skills and equipment. The people who did it were mostly hobbyists and they had a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, to, to build a weapon from scratch like that or to actually be a person that can literally fabricate the individual parts, that requires some training, that requires a lot of equipment that your average person wouldn't have. So I guess the assumption there is that these people are going to be mainly, like you said, Ben, hobbyists that are kind of doing this out of the passion of, of the craft or whatever, and not necessarily for nefarious purposes. Um, but I don't know. It seems to me like if there if these people exist, surely there's someone that like this that does this exact thing, like an off the books gunsmith for a criminal enterprise. You'd think that would be someone that would be very attractive to, you know, folks like that. It's possible, but Chapman states that the these types of weapons, no matter who is manufacturing them, very seldomly actually show up when there's a crime committed somewhere and there's an investigation and they're looking for a specific weapon. The ghost gun isn't a thing that is just seen all the time. Or it um, wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's changed. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the thing, too. When you think about what somebody is going to do or what strategy they're going to take in the course of planning like a heist or a crime, they're going to look for probably the fastest, most convenient thing. And the issue was that uh, it was, you know, it was easier to get a gun. Uh, it was easier to get an existing gun than it was to have someone build one. In most cases, uh, this is before, you know, the rise of 3D printing, which will make guns that aren't as good nor as durable as traditional guns, but will still get a job done for a short amount of time. And yeah, Chipman says this has changed. He argues that it's easier than ever to build a, an untraceable firearm. And he thinks that it's becoming a routine strategy for criminals and drug traffickers. But there's, there is one interesting note we have to just be transparent about with Chipman. He retired from ATF. He's now a senior policy advisor for a gun control organization. So he definitely has a horse in the race. Uh, that organization is called Giffords. Uh, that doesn't make him wrong. We just we just think it's fair to to also acknowledge that uh, he is coming from a very specific perspective. And then when we're talking about specific perspectives. Let's talk about firearm hobbyists, enthusiasts, would be gunsmiths, right? Armchair gunsmiths. They're going to argue, rightly so, that it's misleading to portray every person who wants to build a home firearm as uh, somehow a, a criminal mastermind. In a lot of cases, they would argue, and this is true, people just want to build one for the experience, for the feeling of accomplishment. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I, I was trying to think of a good analogy. This is not a perfect analogy. 
but we all know someone who had a project car, right? It's their garage, baby. They might have they might have been working on it for months. It might be years. It might never end. You don't know. And it's it's probably not going to leave their garage. Uh, they somebody might get a fixer upper car or just even components if they're super ambitious and tinker away on it possibly forever. And then when they're done, you know, they just like wash it. They take it out and they wash it and they drive it around on the weekends. And because it's more about the experience of working on the thing, you know, and in some cases it's like that. Somebody just wants to say, Hey, I'm interested in engineering. Can I build this myself? And now they're like, Oh, weird. I I have a gun. I guess I'll take it to a range, but really I just, I wanted to build it like Legos. Or even then you have a gun for home defense one day if you need it, but you may never even shoot it. You may never even do anything with it besides putting it in a display case. Yeah, which I object to. I think if you have, I mean, there's no, it'd be tricky to write a law for it, but I, I believe that if you have a firearm in your home, um, everybody of age should be aware of, of how guns work and what what gun safety means because there are a lot of deaths in the U S that are attributed to somebody not knowing how to operate a firearm or, you know, the, the tragic extreme example is kids playing with a loaded weapon. Uh, and it does happen, but I mean, that's a real concern. Let's talk about the concerns with ghost guns. ATF prefers to call them privately made firearms. And you might hear some people in the debate uh, say that ghost guns itself is uh, like a politically loaded term, but uh, loaded. But uh, in in my opinion, it's just it's just the cooler word. And because we're talking about a government organization, they can never use the cooler words. They always have to. They always have to have the boring, dressed up, dry ones. Anyway, their concern is that what we've talked about that bad actors. Criminals may conspire to create and use off-the-grid firearms for illegal stuff. And it's true, you know, it's, it's not anybody's opinion. It's just a fact that if, like, say, um, like, Noel, maybe some stuff went down, you can't legally purchase a firearm, but you absolutely need one. It's been a crazy weekend. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a Guy Ritchie movie now. And uh, you needed a gun. Uh, there'd be some part in the movie where you're like, I can't buy one, but we know a guy who can build me one. So this could be a way around that law if you were a criminal in that case. And it all goes down to a component of the firearm, which is known as the receiver. That's right. It is all about the components. Uh, the Gun Control Act of 1968 was a thing that was passed after um, U.S. Senator Robert F. Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. were assassinated. Um, and it mandated that all firearms be marked with serial numbers on the frames or receivers to make them traceable by law enforcement. I actually didn't realize that it was that relatively recent that, that, that the serial number became such a thing. It's sort of like having a VIN number on your car. You know, they're all printed in the same place and they're easy to locate. And then you can trace the uh, chain of custody of that car. So within things like this, you always have loopholes that derive from these very nuanced legal terms. What exactly defines a gun? What exactly is a firearm? It's the same thing with like cryptocurrency. Like, is it a security or is it a currency? And that determines the regulation surrounding it. Um, so it hinges on this nuance of what legally constitutes a frame or receiver, which that's the problem with all of these legal terms. It's so easy to pick them apart if you don't go overboard in identifying your terms and the setting them up. So the Code of Federal Regulations defines a, fire, a frame, a firearm frame or a receiver as, quote, that part of a firearm which provides housing for the hammer, bolt or breech block uh, and firing mechanism and which is usually threaded at its forward portion to receive the barrel. That seems pretty explicit to me, but yeah, as we'll see, it, it doesn't always add up to that. All, all weapons are a little bit different, but the, the main thing you need to know here is that if, if you're thinking about a pistol that you've seen in movies, you've seen in television, you've probably maybe you've held one, but it's you've got the handle part, you've got the barrel part, and then the part in the middle that connects all that stuff together. That's generally the way I at least think about the frame or the receiver. Yeah, and 
and though it seems explicit, you know, we're we're entering the treacherous waters of legal language, which means that things that are not explicitly spelled out are uh, open to negotiation. You know what I mean? It's up for debate. This is where if you uh, look into it, you'll see a response from another ATF spokesperson, C.C. Guathme. Uh, in, uh, Guathme uses uh, an AR-15 type rifle receiver blank as an example. And if you look at a picture of this on the ATF website, you can see uh, what what they declare as differences between an 80% receiver or a complete finished receiver. And it's a pretty simple diagram. If you look at a receiver and it doesn't have holes or dimples, it hasn't been machined out, right? For things like the trigger, selector, hammer pins, uh, there's the fire control cavity hasn't been machined, all that good stuff. Then it's technically not a firearm. It's an interesting chunk of, you know, aluminum or whatever. And that is fine. If you can sell aluminum left and right and uh, no one really cares. I guess people would care if you're like moving weights, but then you'd be like an aluminum dealer or like you would own a mine. I don't know. That's a different story. But because of this, according to uh, Guathme, if the receiver blank is solid and unmachined, the, the cavity area hasn't been dug out and there are no holes or dimples, then it doesn't meet that 1968 definition of a firearm. It's only when uh, the rest of the work, the machining work is finished. So when you buy what could become a ghost gun, you're buying pieces of something that in their present state do not constitute a firearm. You have to build it at home, Ikea style. One thing, uh, one thing we need to clarify from that strange news segment is that we had we have found some sources saying it was easy to build these. That's a little misleading. It is easier to build these than it would have been in the past, but easier than does not automatically make something easy, right? I mean, there's a there's a thing here where gun control advocates say, you know, this shift makes it possible to sell gun kits and parts they're very simple to put together even for someone without any training they say you know you can just figure out how to use a drill press the other tools you'll need and you can follow instructional videos available on youtube yeah that's true but it's still probably if you're not familiar with it and you haven't looked into this it's probably still not as easy as you might assume you know what i mean like it's not if if someone did this in 15 minutes it would be because it is a movie and it's part of an action montage and fictional. Well, we get into a weird thing here because it's, I don't want to reference some of this stuff too soon, but it really comes down to how determined an individual is to do a thing, right? And you can apply that to anything from something as, as relatively simple as changing a headlight in your vehicle to, uh, like you said, assembling some Ikea furniture, to repairing the roof of your house. These are all things any one person can do, but it just depends on how determined you are to do it and how much time you're willing to spend learning how to do it. Yeah, that's true. And, and I appreciate the point because that does apply to a great many things. If you want to get a quick sense of this, we are going to be recommending several things available on YouTube. If you want to get a quick sense of this, there's a neat little video from Wired in 2015 where a senior writer at the time, Andy Greenberg, who is not a gun enthusiast, is not a, an experienced machinist, he successfully assembles an AR-15 type firearm at home and he walks through the process of buying these gun components and he's focusing on that 80% lower receiver. So it's 80% finished. It doesn't have that... Uh, the rest of the machining work that we just talked about. So he has to figure out how to do that 20% on his, uh, by himself. And he is, you know, tabula rasa. He is learning from day one. So he tries three different strategies, a traditional drill press, right? Which you would ordinarily use. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of luck with that because, you know, it's his first time out of the gate. Don't be too tough on him. And then he tries 3d printing and ultimately 
he reaches success and builds a usable firearm with a computer-controlled milling machine called the Ghost Gutter, which is also a great name. I would play that video game. I was surprised uh, to learn that the Ghost Gunner is only about $1,200. Yeah, by far the best results. It's an interesting little, it feels like a CAD machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a small version of one, and it does exactly what it says it does. Yeah, it's built to, uh, if you go on, your we- on their website, um, you'll see that they say you don't have it, you don't have to have any CNC experience. Uh, it gives you the types of tasks it can perform and the specific types of firearms, the receivers that it can work on. So it's useful and it's uh, it's a democratization of technology. That's something we've talked about as well. A quick question. I mean, if you can 3D print a gun, does that mean that it's made of some sort of like non-metallic composite material? Or can you 3D print metal? Because I didn't think you could. Yeah, so the Ghost Gunner is uh, able to machine existing metal. The 3D printed guns, which are also can be homemade, um, are going to be from, from like a non-metallic component. So they're, they're, it, it varies from what I understand, but a lot of the 3D printed weapons are considered good for a certain amount of shots. Like one, like this will work for one thousand to two thousand uh, rounds, right? Because then they're still going to be at this point less durable. But of course, if that's used in a crime, the opponents of these practices would say, "Then less, then don't worry, it's less durable." Is a terrible thing to tell victims of a crime who were there when the gun was working. But doesn't that mean it is possible to do that the uh, John Malkovich in the line of fire thing to have a, th- a type of material that won't get picked up uh, on, on airport security scanners or metal detectors? Um, somewhat. Somewhat it is. And you know what, guys? Why don't we why don't we take a quick break and we come back? Let's jump right into 3D printed guns and a lot of the issues around them and uh, some of the mass shootings that have occurred. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, 
So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we've returned. So we've spent a lot of time looking at the U.S. here. But obviously, this isn't just the U.S. Technology knows no geopolitical boundary. There are plenty of uh, specifically 3D firearm makers abroad. And this was examined by our friend and colleague, uh, Jake Hanrahan, the creator of Popular Fronts, who we interviewed earlier about his series on QAnon. He, he made a docu- documentary called Plastic Defense, uh, which is well, it's a little less than a half hour. It's more than worth your time if you want to learn about this. And I, I think it really kicked off Uh, reporting in the West about the motivations and the beliefs of people who are making uh, 3D firearms that would function. They would also function as ghost guns simply because they don't require a background check. They have no serial number, all the reasons we named earlier. And, you know, we have a huge opinion of Jake. He does great work uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's a fascinating interview to watch, especially because they don't totally agree. He talks with an anonymous uh, firearm manufacturer named Jay Stark, or calling themselves Jay Stark, right? Yeah, and Jay Stark is associated with this thing called Deterrence Dispensed, which is a group, a decentralized group that offers 3D printed gun plans, very detailed plans to create your own 3D printed weapons. And... This person, Jay Stark, says that they were inspired by this 2013 announcement and video and a series that was put out by someone named Cody Wilson, who was the creator of Defense Distributed. And they were showing this weapon called the Liberator Pistol. And Noel, it's exactly what you were talking about, or very close to what you were talking about. One large 3D printed piece that was essentially the entire weapon except for the handle uh, and a couple, I think maybe a few other parts that were in there. I'm, I'm not positive, but it's the kind of thing that you were talking about that you may be able to get through some kind of metal detectors, except for, you know, if you have a, a metal round. But it, well, that, no, you he, hide those in your lucky rabbit's foot that you put in the bowl that you don't have to go through. <laughs> And oh. that's what that, that's what they did in the movie. Um, but what about a firing pin or like the mechanism? That seems like that would have to be metal, right? Yeah, there there's quite a few components to a weapon like that that you would need to to install. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is this. So this guy got inspired by this thing in 2013 that was kind of like what you were talking about, but it was meant to be shot once. That Liberator pistol is designed to be fired one time because, as you stated before, those materials weren't meant to last. What this person, Jay Stark, wanted to do, and what he did, and this decentralized group, they created versions that are way, way, way more durable. That Ben, Ben, I think he quoted a thousand to a couple thousand shots. That's that's what these weapons that they're now creating plans for are meant to do. Uh, be fired thousands of times. And you know, it's they're being created in Europe, in places where it is impossible, it is illegal to purchase a gun or ammunition for a gun. And it's a fascinating piece of reporting that Jake put out. I cannot recommend watching it enough. And there's a ton we could talk about. I don't want to derail us too much, but I would say some of the ideological stances put forward by this person, Jay Stark, I identify with them in yeah. a lot of ways. I think a lot of us would listening to this right now. Well, Jay Stark could be, um, you could argue that his stance is absolutist. 
which is why I don't think Jake was uh, fully on board mm-hmm. with all of the ideas. But one thing, one valid point that stood out was uh, the worries of the rise of, of far right wing uh, fascism or, you know, uh, those, those kind of networks springing up. Uh, and there was a wave of that for some time. And you can understand how someone who uh, is concerned about that kind of regime taking over uh, in a country where the laws do not allow them to have any sort of firearm, you can understand how they would say, okay, well, things might pop off and, you know, not, not to add too, too many nuances to it, but uh, let's say you are a, uh, you are a member of an ethnic minority and you're seeing a troubling rise to power uh, from a group that uh, wants to do bad things to you then in that case, it is absolutely reasonable to say, hey, I need to prepare. This isn't something I want to improvise when things go south. And just to give you one quote from Jay Stark from this video, we were discussing how easy or difficult it is to create one of these 3D printed weapons and you know how, how much do you have to learn and how would you learn it? Jay Stark has this quote, and I just want to read this to you. Jake asks him, you know, how did you learn how to do all this stuff to create these plans and put them out there? And Jay Stark says, quote, the most powerful tool for this in general was the Internet. The Internet enabled me to do all this. I was able to learn all the information that I needed through YouTube, through Wikipedia, through various forums and through chatting with other enthusiasts. There's one thing that you really have to take in mind here motivation. All of this information is available out there and it has been, but why isn't everybody doing it? Because they don't have the motivation to do all that. Yeah. goes back to, I think that's what you're referring to when you said, you know, it's the amount of time, um, more, it's the amount of dedicated time, uh, that becomes even more critical than the amount, the tools needed, right? Uh, because tools are useless, uh, without the knowledge to wield them. And this, so this brings us to another thing. Like you would love to hear your thoughts on uh, that interview, Jay Stark's motivations, the larger conversation. And we have to, we have to acknowledge that when we're talking about the U S the larger conversation about things like ghost guns does go to mass shootings uh, and crime. And it's tragically true that homemade firearms have been used in crimes, including mass shootings. Just a couple of years ago, 2019, there was a guy named Aaron Luther who used it. He was a felon who had got out and he had a homemade firearm, a ghost gun, and he was in a routine traffic stop uh, and he pulled it and ended up shooting uh, three California Highway Patrol officers. And then also in California, well, a few years earlier, 2013, a 23-year-old named John Zawahri used a AR-15 assembled at home to murder five people. And he, you know, he fired about a hundred rounds within 13 minutes. And there are more examples than this, but they all prove the same thing. This loophole can be exploited by people with nefarious intentions. The question is, how do we prevent these tragedies from occurring? The proposed solutions run the gamut, right? And the leaders of the U.S. do not agree on what the next step should be, and the voters don't seem to all agree either. It's not inherently unusual. Uh, It would be extraordinary if people in the U.S. agreed on anything. Honestly, it's just we got a lot of people here. Um, And there are very strong uh, feelings about this problem, about what to do on all sides. And that's where we have to ask, what will the future bring? Currently, as we said at the top, it is unknown how many uh, homemade firearms or ghost guns are in the U.S. today. Uh, There's no solid way to know exactly how many are out there, and there's even less of a way to know how many are being used for crime or illegal purposes versus being someone's home project. You know, I imagine there's some, like, uh, there's some homemade replica antique guns, right, for gun collectors who are like, I want to, you know, some very specific fancy gun from the 1800s. But of course I can't buy that because there are only like, you know, 42 of them in the world, but I can make one. And then they, you know, they have their cool replica and will they tell people it's a replica or will they try to act like it's just the antique? 
well, that's up to their character. That's a replica. You see the you see the words that are down the side of mine? Desert Eagle. Yes. And, yeah. Five point oh. uh-huh. Yeah, that was back when Guy Ritchie made good movies. Remember that? That was cool. Um I don't know, I heard his new one is is fine, but he made that he really started going downhill when he made that Madonna Desert Island movie that people said was just unwatchably bad. But um wasn't there another one? There was another joke in that movie that said replica, right? Didn't I make that up? I'm 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 in my mind picturing a gun saying replica in some action movie and that being a big twist, but maybe it wasn't the guy. I think movie. Is it, is it snatch man? I'm sorry. I had a really hard time. No, no, no. It, it's been a long time since I've seen either oh. snatch or Lockstock. Yeah. Funny, funny Barrel. story. Those are two different movies. Which is crazy, right? <laughs> that always gets me, you know, watch them one after the other and you'll be like, what's that? Is that one movie or two? Anyway, I, yeah, I just oh, yeah, no, no. yeah, mine says Desert Eagle, blah, blah, blah. And yours <laughs> says replica. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they, they're in a stand up. I'm sorry. I was just making sure it was from the same. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Reference. So speaking of segues, uh, <laughs> this is an important issue to everybody in the future. Uh, legislation was introduced in the U.S. Senate in May of 2020, just about a year ago, uh, that wanted to that was aiming, aiming, geez. Uh, to require all frames and receivers, even the 80%, even the unfinished ones, to already have serial numbers. And then the law would also require the DIY, do-it-yourself gun builders, to go in person to a federally licensed dealer of receivers to buy these components. Uh, And then they would have to have the same background checks as people who are buying fully assembled firearms. And then, you know, people who are, pushing for this law are saying, look, if you're an enthusiast, you want to build something like this for fun, it's not going to stop you. The whole point of it is not to stop you, but it's to make it more difficult for convicted uh, domestic abusers, gun runners, felons, terrorists, and so on to acquire untraceable weapons. And this legislation was very recently introduced, right? Uh, ben, didn't it just happen? It got reintroduced. Reintroduced, uh, just, got it. Yeah, yeah. So a uh, revised version of this legislation just got reintroduced um, this week, a few days before we recorded this. And uh, that makes it another hot topic. It also happened around the same time the Department of Justice issued a proposal that expands their official definition of what constitutes a firearm. So now they're they're going to be saying we want to call we, we want firearm to also mean any any kind of weapon of this type that you can assemble at home. The NRA is not happy. This is really a kick in the pants for them. And they said the proposed Department of Justice rule could, quote, destroy the American firearms industry. And I wanted to ask you guys about that. Is there some we're missing in the legislation? Like what what about that regulation would destroy such a huge industry. Yeah, that is true. Cause we're just, the legislation is focused directly on these 80, 80% pieces uh, or components, right? Yeah. I just don't understand. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to just pick a fight with them. I, I just don't, I don't understand what specifically about that registration would, uh, would, would it, are they saying it would damage sales of those components? Maybe. Yeah, but even then, those components can't be the bulk of of money that's made in with guns in the United States. My God, Smith and Wesson isn't like exclusively trying to get those eighty percent receivers out the door. They're trying to sell their guns. Maybe it's the uh, maybe the argument is something along the lines of uh, increased cost or burden of responsibility for people selling the stuff because they have to do the background checks. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Well, that's weird. There's a spokesperson for the NRA, uh, Lars Dalseed, who said the proposed rule would do nothing to address violent crime while further burdening law abiding gun owners and the lawful firearm industry with overbroad regulations. So please let us know, like what, how would this uh, have a deleterious effect on the firearm industry? I'm interested to know because you get multiple claims of conspiracy regarding this technology and these firearms. But what is the conspiracy? It depends on who you ask. Some people say, well, it's 
it leads to a conspiracy by criminals, a series of conspiracies by criminals to remain untraceable. And then someone else, uh, I, I don't know where we are when we're having this conversation. We're, um, I hate being stuck in an elevator. We're, we're waiting to take a plane flight and we're just, we're just kicking it at, um, what's an airplane restaurant, airport restaurant you guys like? Chili's. We're at Chili's. We're chilies and the flights are delayed so long that everybody's had a few drinks and we're talking about gun rights because we're fun at parties. Uh, so, yeah, so one person, you know, one person is like finishing up their cheese sticks and they're saying, what's well, the criminals? They want these guns to be untraceable. They're conspiring. Yeah. Then I'm like, no, 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 man, it's the government. They're trying to take away our rights. Mm hmm. And then, and then the server, who's also been there for a while and has really made a bond with you guys now. It's like past the work relationship you had. Uh, the server is saying, no, 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 you got to follow the money. It's a conspiracy by lobbyists to keep making cash in the firearm industry. Would you like another Corona? <laughs> and, and, uh, well, it's a weird situation. It's a weird conversation even because... Uh, everybody's making a valid point, I think. Yeah, that's the thing. There, there are valid points in all of these positions. Like a criminal act is, you know, often inherently a conspiracy. It's conspiratorial. Uh, you're trying to get away with something. And uh, the idea that there would be government overreach or that there would be an erosion of rights, uh, specifically for firearms, uh, you know, I think a lot of people will lean on the precedent that um, in the past, powerful governments have done things to remove rights from citizens. But that's not that the problem is that just doesn't apply to the U.S. That applies to the entire world, you know, and then the, the lobbyists making money is weird that nobody ever talks about this in the U.S., but lobbying is strange. You know, if you explain that to someone who's not from the U.S., they're like, oh, yeah, bribery. And you go, no, 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 no. Bribery is illegal, bro. You got to call it lobbying. Yeah, it almost feels like the way the NRA has kind of recently almost had to walk some things back and like kind of seems to be maybe losing its stranglehold over this whole situation. Uh, maybe not entirely, but it seems to be slipping a little bit based on some recent news events. Wonder if it's worth examining in a whole episode uh, or, you know, delving into the history of it and what the future might be. Mm -hmm. and, and we, I, do we ever do a lobbying episode? Oh God. I, if we haven't, that's another one. That's just, you're right. It literally is legalized bribery. We have a video series, we whole do. big video series on lobbying. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know if we did an audio show on it yet. There was a great, so. there was a great um, television show called K Street mm -hmm. that ended up getting pulled. Not because it was bad; it was it was a pretty good show. It got pulled because it was too realistic. Yeah, this <laughs> is dangerous. This is dangerous. It's as dangerous as ghost guns. So, hey, I, I want to. Right before we wrap, you guys, I want to read one more quote from Jay Stark, the, the creator there of Deterrence Dispersed. I want to ask you, listening to this, what's your opinion on this kind of ideological stance? Because I find myself agreeing with Jay Stark, but then I also very much agree with Jake about how dangerous what Deterrence Dispersed is doing. So it's it's interesting. I wonder where you would find yourself. Here's a quote from Jay Stark, the guy who's helping people 3D print guns. He says, quote, I'm of the opinion that to bear firearms is a human right. The government or the entity that has rule over you has an executive force. The police, the military, they have firearms. To be able to escape that injustice, citizens need to have the same force on the individual level as the executive force of the government entity that is ruling over them. Yeah, and, you know, we're very much uh, not telling people what to think. These are important questions, and they're questions that are going to uh, continue being relevant, right? Not, again, not just in the U.S., in the world, uh, because the one thing you cannot do is remove a technology from the wild once it exists. There's no, there, there are very few cases of that ever actually happening 100%. Uh, 
We want to know what you think about lobbying, right? We, we want to know where you stand on this, reacting to uh, the quote uh, matches shared from Jay Stark. Uh, and we also ben, want ben, to... Yeah, and one more, one more quote right there because it's technology. I have to give it to you. You ready? This is what Jay Stark says. What you have to realize is the advancement of technology has no politics. The atom bomb, chemical weapons, DIY rockets, IEDs, technology has no politics. So it's that it's again that argument of like it just depends on who's wielding the tech. And no no geopolitical borders or boundaries. You know, and that's um one of the things that I brought up too with the Poseidon uh super sub nuke. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so this is this is going. This is going to continue to be uh, a relevant issue and a problematic one for a lot of people. Where do you think the conspiracy lies? If indeed conspiracy there is, uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, we try to make it easy to find us online. That's right. You can find us at Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter and Facebook, Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. And while you're at it, why don't hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, a five star review would be preferable to help people discover the show and also make us, you know, feel good in our little hearts. That's right. And you can also give us a call. We have a phone number. It is one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Please let us know what you'd like for us to refer to you as. Let us know if we can use your message on the air and uh, leave your message. And please, if you don't mind, uh, use your three minutes that you have in that message to be concise as concise as possible. And if you've got a lot more to say, if you've got links you want to share, a picture you want to send us, anything like that, please use our email address. You can send us anything, anytime. Right now, in fact, we are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.